You are listening to the Gen Zen Broadcasting System. It's time! It's time for High Spots and Cheap Pops for the Intelligent Wrestling Fan. And now here are your hosts, Vlad the Impaler and Silicon Steve Valley. High Spots and Cheap Pops, ladies and gentlemen! I am here with you over one of the most historic weekends in the history of professional wrestling. Certainly the most historic weekend in professional wrestling any recent time. I, I can't even think of one which might have been more historic off the top of my head. I mean, you can talk about the weekend, the week prior before WrestleMania 17. McMahon buys out WCW, kind of changes everything. But I will say this. Everything that we saw, we have CM Punk obviously making his grand return after seven and a half years out of the business, certainly out of what he called professional wrestling since 2005, meaning that he really wasn't in a professional wrestling company. Then you had Brock Lesnar and Becky Lynch both returning on SummerSlam the night after and getting mixed reviews. SummerSlam was considered terrible, actually terrible, and SummerSlam were trending. And we're going to get into that too, we're going to recap the entire weekend and the other big story, Adam Cole losing to Kyle O'Reilly last night in a two out of three match. I was a little disappointed with the match. I thought it was a little weird at best, but we're going to get into that too. And we are going to talk about CM Punk. This big story is, and the moment that was created, the moment and the moments that were created that night, because it, it was kind of a, a ever-flowing energy that happened throughout the night. We just saw a great promo with John Moxley, Eddie Kingston, Darby Allen, Sting, and Tony Khan to send everybody home prior to getting all their ice cream bars. But we got to talk, and, and I want to also thank the beautiful Kelly Williams. She's going to be joining us today on High Spots and Cheap Pops, because we can't wait till during the week when I get together with the with the Impaler. We're going to start doing daily episodes of High Spots and Cheap Pops, and Kelly will pop in every once in a blue. But your truly Silicon Steve Valley will be here with you. So want to get into now the CM Punk, how it was done, the emotion, everything that went into it. Now, they didn't waste time. We talked about it last week, the Impaler and myself on High Spots last week. We really were thinking that that was a way he, that he can go. We were actually hoping Punk would open the show and then get thrusted into a program with Kenny Omega. That did not happen, but there's time for that. There's time for everything. CM Punk isn't going anywhere. And I think CM Punk made reference to that. He's like, we're going to get into all that. The only problem is we're not going to get into all of it tonight. But I'm going to have every Wednesday, Friday, and four pay-per-views a year on Sundays or Saturdays. And so there is no limit to the possible storytelling that's going to happen. And that's just the incredible part. But let's just talk about the moment. CM Punk comes out. And I use this word a lot during that episode, that moment with you. And I was watching the episode show with you, Kelly. Mm-hmm. The re- just the real moment when Punk came out 
you really saw the emotion on his face. It was cathartic for him. It was cathartic for me. It was cathartic for wrestling fans who have missed this guy who, let's be honest, was probably the one of the, if not the best, one of the best to do it when he left at the height of his career. And in the fashion that he did it, basically saying, fuck you to the establishment. And he was saying, fuck you to the establishment for years before that. He was the hope that professional wrestling can still be good and pure. And it can still make magical moments happen. He wanted to bring more magical moments to professional wrestling. And the what he would describe as toxic work environment he was in, it was toxic for him, whether it was toxic for every, anybody else. I'm not here to shit on WWE in this instance. He said he needed to get away from it. And he needed some time off. He didn't quit. But WWE fired him. You can't blame him for firing him, which the way they did. But he, you saw the catharticism in the moment within him. He got on his knees. And he was just looking around. And he got teared up. And whether you like CM Punk or you hate CM Punk, the one thing everyone traditionally likes about him and loves him is because he's honest. He's not going to lie to you. And he said he didn't even write a promo. He had no idea what he was going to say. He had to feel it in the moment. And he didn't really, you knew he, and you knew he was being truthful. I'm sure he had some things he wanted to say, but in terms of his reaction, what a moment. And then as he's walking down, he kind of got over the fact, okay, this is big. This is emotional. Now I got to go do my job. But before he went and did his job, he saw a CM Punk fan, probably somebody he knew, gave him a big hug. And then he jumped in the crowd. That moment of just pure joy that, okay, this dude is back. This dude is back. He's in great shape. He hasn't wrestled in seven years. And he's in great. He's going to be able to still go. And we're going to see this guy on television at least once a week, if not twice a week, saying whatever the hell he wants. <clears throat> that alone is just it gets you goosebumps that we have this talent back to work with all these other guys with like minds to make this magic and then he goes out there and continues to cut as good of a promo as you're going to see in that moment it couldn't have been better you could have done it differently but nobody was doing better than how AEW handled it and give props to Jim Cornette who has been extraordinarily critical of AEW he came out and said not how I would have done it but it was better, and it was perfect. And I have to echo that sentiment from, from Jimmy Cornette because he's 100% right. I wouldn't have done it that way. I, I would have well, I would have had him open the show, and I would have had him do something with Kenny Omega because I want that right away because I'm an impatient asshole, as my beautiful wife will tell you. <laughs> but the emotion that was felt... It was the most real moment I've had in professional wrestling in my life. The most real magical moment I've had. That dude who was saw that beautiful moment we saw the dude uh, shedding tears. And I, look, I don't get into people. People, I guess, were making fun of him on on the internet. Look, wrestling fans, particularly WWE fans right now, are going to do everything to whip out their dicks and piss on the parade. But the fact of the matter is they can't change it. 
Their company is a joke right now. And they're a joke in a lot of ways. But again, we're not going to get into that right now. We're talking about CM Punk. So I don't care what anyone said. That doesn't change how I feel about that guy. It doesn't change how I feel about AEW. It was a real great moment. And CM Punk, as he did 10 years earlier, has changed the professional wrestling world again. And Dana Kelly, not to delete that one out. Kelly Williams, not a big wrestling fan. You don't like WWE. Nope. But you really love this moment. How did you feel about it as kind of a, almost an outside, a casual professional wrestling fan? Casual, a casual wrestling fan, um, you know, AEW is everything right now because it's it's so fresh, it's so new, and it's it's talent the way it's supposed to be used. And and Tony Khan's got a really great organic thing going on where people just getting to know him want to work with him. And and that's I think how it happened with CM Punk, if I'm I'm taking that correctly from those post uh interviews, is that you know they just kind of became friends and then all of a sudden it worked out that you know he's gonna be on AEW, you know. And I think that moment where he came out, it gave him like a a rebirth for uh, the love of wrestling that he had, you know, when he first started out. So it was like him, like it was a, it was such a powerful, magical moment. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm good. Oh, I thought she were crying. <laughs> I thought she's getting a little tear eyed there. Like, no, you nailed it. No, you're exactly right. And again, what we said about CM Punk is the guy's not a liar. He tells no. you exactly how he feels. He tells you exactly how it is, yep. unless he's being a heel of some sort. But even then. He's kind of like a Sami Zayn because Sami doesn't lie either. Sami Zayn is kind of like that. They don't really lie their characters. They just are, you know, when they're heels, they just have a really fucked up perspective. But they, you can always kind of, if you go behind why their character thinks that, you like it. That's why I kind of love Sami Zayn. But Sami Zayn can only do so much in in the land of sports entertainment, obviously. Mm-hmm. But what a great moment! CM Punk just was everything it really was the ice cream bar thing he literally gave everyone cm punk ice ice cream bars as they were leaving the elation and utter joy and again cathartic it was just so cathartic it that moment a lot of healing and even more excitement and for those of us who've been watching aew since the beginning who were watching cody and the bucks and everybody do what they were doing in kenny out in japan that's who i am I've been following these guys way before All Elite Wrestling. And I just want to take a moment to thank those guys, the four particular we're talking about, Cody, the Bucks, and Kenny. And I want to thank Tony Khan. And I want to go a little deeper into Tony Khan right now, and you mentioned it. Mm -hmm. Holy shit. I mean, you talk about a guy who seems to have the pure... He's young enough, because I don't even think he's 40 yet. I think he's 38 or 39. He's Yeah. So he's young enough where he hasn't been jaded. He's literally a giant, giant wrestling fan who has a dad who had a shit ton of money, who raised a brilliant, thoughtful, beautiful human being in Tony Khan, who also happens to love professional wrestling. He's one of us. He just happens to have a huge checkbook and also has a great business acumen and also has he's got he's a perfect 10 in terms of what the wrestling world needed right yes and that and as great as kenny and cody and the bucks were and they couldn't have done it without them and a lot of other guys tony khan if you saw his reaction to the crowd if you saw his reaction to 
CM Punk being interviewed, sitting right next to him. He literally looked like a 12-year-old kid who is just, it was one of the best, it has to be one of the best moments in Tony Khan's life. And let's talk about what they did. They announced two weeks, two weeks, I think two or three weeks prior to the event that they were having the second event in Chicago. This was all CM Punk's brainchild. Mm -hmm. He said, here's how we're going to do it. For those of you, because I saw this too, I saw a couple of people and I'm like, you just don't, are they that stupid? Are they that ignorant? Well, it's good to see how Becky Lynch and Brock Lesnar's returns were kept a secret and everyone was legitimately surprised. That was the buzz. That was, that was, that was, that was the buzz that kept everybody. That's everybody in tune. That was, you know, everyone knew. So yeah, it was so CM Punk said, look, we're going to, so this is what he did. He said, Tony, here's how we're going to do it. Can we get a big building in Chicago? United center. The United center was vacant that day. Yep. This was the story folks. If you didn't hear it, CM Punk says, can we get the United center? Let me make a phone call. Tony calls up. Yeah, they can get the United Center. You think you can sell it out? I think we can. The rumor went crazy in AEW. Everyone knew CM Punk was showing up. There were still the naysayers, particularly on WWE fans. No, he's never going to show up. He's never going to show up. Bullshit. And AEW keeps their secrets really well, folks, if you haven't noticed. They go out of their way to make sure that smart marks are keep are they're keeping the smart marks on their toes. So they said, okay, let's make it a really poorly bad secret. And also, everyone put Easter eggs all over the place on BTE. Mm-hmm. It's on BTE. It was on all elite wrestling dynamite two weeks in a yep. row with Kenny's t-shirts. Yep. Darby Isle Allen saying the best in the world. It was literally an announcement, a wink and a wink that, that CM Punk. Yeah, it was an announcement out of an announcement. It's like, uh, big, it's going to be a big announcement, wink, wink. And even if you think you're the best in the world. So we knew, a, yeah, it was a poorly kept secret, but it's still not having that confirmation, the anticipation built. We needed to see it. We needed to hear it. We needed to hear Color Me Bad's version of Cult of Personality. Is it Color Me Bad? <laughs> I don't think it is. Pretty sure it's color me bad. They did that other one too. I wanna I wanna fuck you up. Oh no. Better now I wanna fuck you up. That's no, sex you up. Oh look at my eyes gonna sex you up. Fantastic. That is uh, actually in living color, folks. Right. Oh no, it's living color. <laughs> Living Color was a TV show. <clears throat> and interestingly enough, that joke played really well back in the day. I remember Living Color actually, and they're a great band. I'm 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 kind of making a joke because it was around the same time and they have the word color in them. Um it's gonna be a highly edited show. I'm I'm leaving all that in. <laughs> you gotta be out of your mind. I want to thank uh, Kelly Williams once again. High spots and cheap pops. We got Kelly Williams sitting here joining me. She's not the biggest wrestling fan, but hey, who just wants to hear me talk for an hour straight, right? So going into Tony Khan and everything he's done, I just wanted to just give him a shout out. And 
he also thanked us. And this is this is what how the world of entertainment works. This is when you have people that love the product. You have people that absolutely love the product. And you also have people that love giving you the product. And that's what we have right now. It's a very great moment. This is not always going to be the case. There's going to be some rough waters in AEW where there's some egos. The company's going to get bigger. There's going to be issues. But really enjoy this moment right now because guess what, folks? We're still not out of the woods. And he said something that I think is very important. He said, thank you so much for believing in us and trusting us and putting your, tr- your put trust in us. Thank you, Chicago, for coming in because they sold that building out minutes mm-hmm. because of the buzz. So that's the funny. And that's what I wanted to talk about very briefly. The, the WWE fans said, oh, ah, well, at least this was a good surprise. Brock Lesnar was a, was a big surprise. People didn't know it was coming. They're not selling out the United Center unless CM Punk was definitely going to be there, folks. And when so when people make those little myopic comments, so short-sighted, they're not seeing the forest from the trees. It just, it makes you just, look, For that just shows you proof positive. There's no reason to entertain thoughts like that. There's no reason to entertain when people throw negativity just because they want to do it. WWE fans have nothing to say right now. You don't. Shut the fuck up. You got nothing to say. And I'm not trying to be harsh here. And that will be our brilliant segue into SummerSlam and NXT TakeOver. So if you did not see it, folks, Kelly Williams, you despise WWE. Why do you despise WWE so much? Because it's so forced and it's not, it's fresh and new. And it's like the same storylines over and over again. Like, you know, I don't know how far you want me to go into WWE, but having Becky Lynch come out and within three seconds take the title back was it was unnecessary. Well, let's get into that. That's that's probably the lead. First and foremost, let's talk about Cena Roman first, and mm-hmm. then we'll get into we'll get into the bet, and then right after the Cena Roman, we'll get into Becky Lynch beating Bianca Belair in what is essentially a squash match. She has a new finisher called Shut the up. man the manhandler. Panhandle slam. Manhandle slam. I think that's what it was. Okay, whatever. It's a bookend or a rock bottom. It's kind of like a hybrid between the bookend and the rock bottom. Gotcha. She's not that big to be doing that move. Like that's the move for big guys. You know, the rock was bigger. He was like six four, six five. Booker T, same thing, six four, well, six five. Maybe, maybe Becky Lynch has this persona like we saw in the Met office earlier today that she thinks she's the, the bulldog rather than the cute little puppy. I'm gonna fuck that up. Go back in. So let's just go with uh, Cena and Roman. I did not love this match. Um, did, what did you see of the match, team? Kelly? I, I really wanted John Cena to win because you know his whole hustle, loyalty, respect, and, I, and I'm and I'm over. I'm over the table. I'm just over well. You're with a few. It's, I, look, I'm not gonna. You just don't like WWE, so I really don't. So like, I'm, I'm over that old storyline. It's not new anymore. I. So what they did was they started off similarly a very methodical beatdown of Roman on to on Cena from Roman to Cena. Boring as fuck. It wasn't really anything going on. It wasn't like it wasn't like he was Brock Lesnar or just throwing around the ring. 
and it was somewhat entertaining. He was just punching him and banging him in the ground. It was just a really – and that's been a big part of Roman's matches now. Now, Roman, all right, you had your first year of dominance. Now we're turning the heat up a little bit. Can every match he's in, do we have to have a brawl, a fucking methodical stupid brawl for five minutes on the outside? I guess that's part of Roman and what makes him do what he does. It's old school booking, kind of like Flair would work on the leg, I guess. But it's n- not entertaining. This guy – so basically, you got to sit through 10 minutes of Roman boring the fuck out of you, right? And then the, the heat comes. And that's, that's, you know what? That's not even Roman. That's everybody in, w, in the matches in WWE. That's why it's so boring. And matches that get time, by the way. So, but they wound up doing good. Basically, Cena's getting his ass kicked for the first five or 10 minutes of the match. And he keeps on trying to do roll-ups and small packages and all these cute little moves that a fucking... 180-pound middle cruiserweight would be doing on Brock Lesnar. And he's not that much smaller than Roman. Roman's not that much bigger than Cena. Let's not make this like like it's Brock versus Cena. They tried making it Brock versus Cena. Roman's not there yet, folks. He's never going to be Brock Lesnar when Brock Lesnar was at his peak in terms of his dominance. They tried turning it into that. Turn me off. But they finally got into it. They finally got things going on that we saw Cena start having some really good exchange between the two of them. Cena did, I think, 12 AAs, one from the second rope. No, it was, but it was a typical Cena-Roman match. You forget, John Cena can only go with someone else who can really go. Roman can only go with someone else who can really go. These guys do not have magic together in the ring. There was no magic last night in that main event. You saw the finish coming a mile away. I knew if AJ Styles kicked out of the Super AA, there ain't no damn way they're going to have Roman Reigns, who's one of the most dominant champions recent memory, kick out of that. Uh, There was not one moment I ever thought Cena was winning this match. And it was also completely telegraphed when Roman said, if I can't beat you, I'm leaving WWE. There's no way! He's the one thing that is decent about your programming right now. So we knew. So it took all the sales out of this match for me. I thought there was a chance if you heard our episode last week, there was a chance he wins 17, just to smack Ric Flair across his head, just to say, fuck you for leaving. Cause that's something that Vince McMahon would do. But if Cena won that match. I think the wrestling community really would have been upset. And I also didn't think, I also changed my tune after the SmackDown that that Roman was going to win. Because Cena also kind of cut heel promos. He was saying, I'm going to take your title and I'll come back for Survivor Series and Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. He said something to that effect. So see, there's no way Cena was winning this match. And the way they made built this match, it just didn't do it for me whatsoever. And then once he did the two Superman punches in a row, I was like, okay, if that the end is near. Because it was one of those things to really make it cemented because those Superman punches are so devastating. And look, it's one of his finishers. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a finisher, but it's his big setup move. There's two of them. And then he did a big spear, great spear, pin. Yeah. Then a great moment. I really, really liked Brock Lesnar coming out here, for sure. Um, but I will say, in the main event itself, the match itself was disappointing. And I realized that Cena and Roman, neither one of them could have great matches without somebody else great. I've always thought that about Cena. And if you, by the way, 
if you have a great match with someone with Cena with somebody other than somebody who was really good, let me know. I was never blown away by a Randy Orton John Cena match. Put it to you that way. So that's where my standard is. If you give me Randy Orton ever, bye. Or tell me the match. Because I've seen them wrestle 20 times and I'm like, so Cena and AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns, Edge and Roman Reigns. I will say this Roman Reigns had great, had some really powerful matches with his cousins, but it was the storytelling. And there was a built-in story there. So I'm questioning now moving forward, how red hot is Roman going to stay now that he, it's going to be a challenge? And they're also not directly competing, but they're going to have a wrestling match on Friday nights directly after it. The heat's going to be turned up on Roman a little bit right now because who are they bringing back for storylines, folks? John Cena. So wait, he had a good program with Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. Okay, you're building those stars, but th those – those feuds did nothing for either Daniel Bryan or Kevin Owens. You did that. You started building something up with Cesaro. You gave him one pay-per-view and now he's a mid Carter again. So now who are you giving Roman Reigns to build? Who are you building for the future? You're not building anybody. You're bringing Brock Lesnar back. And then by the time Brock, you're done with Brock Lesnar, you'll probably have a program with maybe Biggie, maybe Biggie does something where he even gets a title. Because Biggie will take the title off. It, it will be Biggie, I'm sure. Because it's the only way they're going to be able to protect Roman is if he loses it in some kind of weird chicanery way. And Biggie will probably lose it shortly afterward. This is what they got cooked for Roman over the next six, seven, eight months. They got Brock Lesnar for the next couple. They got the Survivor Series, whichever that'll, when that ever takes place. Then it'll be Roman possibly versus Lashley or maybe Lesnar wins I doubt it though I don't think Lesnar wins because don't forget Paul Heyman said nobody has beaten this version of Roman Reigns yet that's a big deal so it's interesting to me that you got Cena just in a program with Cena he's going to do a program with Brock Lesnar and you know the main event of Wrestlemania next year is going to be him in the rock so those are your big three programs during his title reign, other than the program with Owens and his cousin, big programs. Has been Edge, Daniel Bryan, Cena, Lesnar, The Rock. Kevin Owens was already a star at the time. He elevated his cousin big time. But now they're just the Usos again, unfortunately, which is not a bad thing. But they, but he did elevate his cousin, so you know he can build a star. They're not going to book him well enough to, be, to build stars, though. They're not going to give him the opportunity to build stars. And that probably bothers Roman. But you have a bulk of his major programs are with guys who are already Hall of Famers. For him to really have the kind of championship he needs to have, he needs to build guys up like Flair did. I mean, he's referred to himself as Flair and Cena and all those guys. If he's going to be that way, he can't keep on fighting these novelty acts, nostalgia acts. So 
Roman is doing great and he's in great hands. Paul Heyman is, and himself are, are probably in full control or almost full control over their creative compared to others. Not obviously we know it all goes through Vince, but Kelly Brock Lesnar coming back was a big surprise. And the dynamic between Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman is going to be very interesting. So I'm really excited about that. What did you think of this moment I, of the show? I thought that was, um, I thought that was great for WWE to bring back Brock Lesnar, but you know, there is that, that feud that could possibly, you know, happen with Paul Heyman. That was his old manager. Now he's managing this new guy and this new guy, Roman Reigns, <laughs> the managering, the manager. He is one of the, I mean, he's the best at managering. He is the best at managering. <laughs> and he made it like, you know, that's, that's. So do you think Paul that Heyman Paul, though. you think Paul Heyman turns on Roman? I don't know. I, I think, I don't think so. I think, I think Paul Heyman goes wherever the belts go. Where the belt goes. Yeah. I think Paul, this Paul Heyman is, is hundred percent behind the tribal truth. And I am really hoping that WWE makes the Paul Heyman Brock Lesnar relationship part of the story. It did not seem like it was that big of a deal as Paul probably did pretty much reacted the same way he would have done if it was any big surprise and that didn't necessarily been Lesnar. It could have been CM Punk and he would have acted the same way. Which might have been a bad example because he managed CM Punk too, but it could have exactly. been exactly it could it could have been but I'm saying it could have been Who's a good example? It could have been, say, John Moxley was a free agent. It could have been John Moxley. And I think Heyman would have acted the same, exact same way. But why did the tribal chief back down from him, from Brock Lesnar? Because he's a heel. Mm-hmm. And heels are pussies. Gotcha. Or, they're, or they don't want to fight if they're not getting paid. That's what, you know. And also, he just went through a war. I mean, come on. You're killing Roman here. Jesus. I'm giving Roman some props. You're, you're killing him here. So... Brock Lesnar will be back, and I am excited to see how that relationship is. And I know everyone, ah, everyone, oh, it's so funny, you know, all the smart marks out there. Are we really excited about Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns? Weren't you the ones bitching about how often they wrestled back in the day? Yeah, but this is a completely new, new dynamic and an actual decent story you can tell with it. It wasn't the two guys. Like, let's stop this myopic thinking, wrestling fans. It's not all or nothing. It's not black or white. Roman versus Lesnar four years ago, five years ago was boring. They were they were the main event at WrestleMania and they were booed out of the building because wrestling because WWE makes those great moments. Oh, so great. <laughs> They're done, dude. They're gonna in 10 years, WWE is gonna be completely different. And it's no, I don't think it's going to be the global stronghold it is now. I'm saying that I right now. Either. But that's a whole other story for another time. So I'm excited. I actually personally am excited for this story and this version of the Lesnar Reigns story with Paul Heyman opposite Brock Lesnar, opposed to being his advocate. Now we go to the other big surprise of the night, Sasha Banks. It is not an in- they, we, it is reported by Fightful Select that it is not an injury, that the reason that she was out. So we're not sure what it is. They're keeping it kind of hush hush. And WWE did a really great job here in this instance. So they have Carmella out, and that, of course, booed everybody. No one wants to see Carmella in the main event at SummerSlam again. Nobody. No offense to Carmella. I love I think she's great talent. But nobody wants to see Bianca and Carmella again, just the way it is. So they do a good job of swerving that. And then 
right before they start the match, then they hit the oh, 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 oh. Oh. and she got a really great pop. It was probably the second best pop of the weekend. <laughs> CM Punk being the first one. Oh, no, no. The first one would have been uh, probably when Becky won her match, which let's get into. So so Becky Lynch comes out, beats up Carmella, kicks her ass out, challenges Bianca. Bianca accepts. And then the match is about to start. And th- so this all took about five minutes or so. It was Bianca's entrance. It was Carmella's entrance. Then it was Becky Lynch's entrance. And then it was the beat up of Carmella. So there was a good five, almost 10 minutes of time went by. Oh, you forgot the announcement that Sasha Banks. Would have well, yeah, well, it was. Yeah. So that was early. So there was a good amount of time between all, that. Yes. All of it for the big match, the big championship match of SmackDown. And this is a and this is, let's, let's set the stage here, folks. Bianca Belair has been a top star. They have built her up to be an almost dominant champion. Babyface, everyone loves her to death. She's over like Rover. And she has had a very important title run. And she gets challenged by the former biggest star in the company, trying to come back to be a big star again, Becky Lynch. She agrees to do it. The bell rings. Becky extends her hand, shakes her. Then pops, then punches her in the face, and then gives her a rock bottom and wins the match in three seconds, in twenty, in about twenty-seven seconds. Mm-hmm. And the pop wasn't great. The reaction was not great. It was weird. It was weird because you buried Bianca Belair, and this was so this was received so poorly by people that it was the word terrible and SummerSlam were tweeting it, were trending on Twitter. Oh, I did not follow that. Um, I think it was awful, the awful execution of the whole match. It was dumb, and for SummerSlam, yeah, for SummerSlam, it was just too short. Not, not it. It, it seemed like it wasn't well planned out. Well, there's that, and then the other part of it was, and no, it was planned out. This was all Vince's call. They had to make an audible for, for Sasha. They knew Sasha wasn't going to be able to, to rest at SummerSlam eight days ago. So what had what happened was, okay, this is what Vince was thinking. I guarantee this is what Vince was thinking. Let's get inside the head of Vince. All right. Sasha's not going to make it again, huh? What is she? Uh, what is she going to be in another Star Wars movie? <laughs> for three minutes. <laughs> oh, she did. No, she, she, that's going to be a recurring role, by the way. So don't shit on Sasha. Sasha's got... Some future ahead of her in acting. She's a talented girl, but she wasn't making the show. I know what we'll do. Put Becky Lynch. Let's rush her back. Because Becky wasn't supposed to be back until October. Let's bring Becky back. We need her. Just tell her we need her. Becky shows up, and Vince is like, they're going to be so blown away and so into that Becky Lynch showed up. They totally forgot the spot. You have a huge fucking baby face that people are in love with against her. And so when she, and so, all right, well then they're at least excited. They're going to have a good match with two of the biggest stars in the company. Let's do it. 
Yeah. And to beat her like that, like she was nothing, like it, she was a jobber, like she was Steve fucking Lombardi, like she was Barry Horowitz. It doesn't make sense because they built Bianca Belair to be like the baddest, the EST of WWE. And for her to go out like that was kind of like a smack in the face, Bianca Belair. It is, it was reminiscent. It's not as bad, but it's as reminiscent of when Goldberg beat the feet. Because you had another younger star who's on the rise that people love that want to see his champion. But Vince thinks they'd rather see Becky Lynch's champion than Bianca Belair. And yeah, this climate, this racial climate, there's going to be people saying, well, another black person got screwed. A lot of people thought it was in comparison to Kofi Kingston and Brock Lesnar, which is a fair, but the difference is, is that Kofi was there for a long time. Bianca and The Fiend were really just, I know The Fiend was there for a little while as Bray Wyatt and all that, but he was just getting into this Fiend character. It was still some time and some stories to be told as a dominant champion. He wasn't over with his dominant run. And neither, and not that Bianca had a dominant run, but if you're going to have her end like that, then I think you did her a disservice. Now, the difference is here is that they can just put Bianca right back there and no one will be the wiser. Bianca's the main eventer now, and they'll just and it doesn't matter if they book her like that. But I mean, you couldn't have put the title, you couldn't have screwed Bianca. Like Bianca could have lost the title to somebody in a fucked up way, a heel, whoever you wanted to be, it could have been anybody. I would have liked to have seen Zelina Vega, to be honest, but whoever you wanted to be. And when they lose. And or when, or if Bianca, you could have gotten the title off of Bianca. She didn't have to do that. You didn't have to do that. And so it made people not care about Becky so much to the point where her big return, people were saying was that the only people are taking away from her big return was that it was terrible. That's the job you did, Becky and Vince. That's what you guys did today. That's what you did. Terrible was trending because of you. That's not me being a dick. That's just me being honest. So that got people in a that really put people in a in a real shitty shitty mood, and it didn't help that shortly after that you have jerk off Goldberg who can't wrestle his way out of a wet paper bag with scissors in his hands. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, their big match they have in a stoppage. What happened was. MVP hit Goldberg on the side of the leg with his cane and Goldberg and then Bobby Lashley worked on his leg a little bit and then Goldberg couldn't continue. That's how tough Goldberg is, folks. Really badass. And if you saw the swing by by MVP, he looked like he's he's a righty and he swung it and he swung it left-handed. Like he, it wasn't it, there was no it, it was like what? And that was enough to knock Goldberg out. That was enough to have the match stop. Gorg. Gorg. We got to give a shout out to Wrestle Talk, my personal favorite wrestling news source. Wrestle Talk did it because when Goldberg came out, they did his Jumbotron in the middle of the LDBE. So it just said G O R G. Gorg. So Gorg can't go on anymore. Match stops, which automatically gets people to boo because it was not believable that this Goldberg, who the whole premise of his character is that he's tough. That's the whole fucking premise. 
But no, he's got a leg injury because he was kissed with a cane. Unbelievable. <laughs> I mean, it's involving Goldberg, so I, I only watched the, the ending of the match anyway. I, that match might have been good. I only watched the last three minutes yeah. of the action. I watched uh, right before the caning. <laughs> and right before the caning and that, and then my one of my favorite parts of SummerSlam. Um, Gage! Gage! Gage Goldberg, Sunberg as he's referred to, jumped in the ring when Lashley continued to beat up his jerk-off asshole father. <laughs> oh, by the way, Bobby Lashley almost killed Lashley. Or, uh, Bobby Lashley almost died in this match because Goldberg threw him off the rope but didn't give him enough oompla, and so Lashley had to do this crazy fucking spin to make sure he didn't land on his fucking neck. If you saw the finish, you saw Lashley do it, man. He had to do it. Kudos to Lashley for saving his own fucking life. Goldberg almost killed somebody else, folks. That's the thing. Like, why won't you go in a better direction with your development, WWE, instead of bringing back these has-been wrestlers that no one cares about? Full disclosure, I always thought Goldberg sucked. I was never a fan. I, he just was all hype and never had a good match. It was all hype. And I, I like more cerebral people. I don't like people like, so, so Goldberg kid jumps in, jumps right on top of Bobby Lashley. And my favorite part was when that fucker got put down in the hurt lock. And then he was knocked unconscious for being in the hurt lock. That was my favorite part. But Bobby Lashley probably didn't know it was him. So, sorry. I hope Goldberg never beats me. He meets me because he beat the living shit out of me. Yeah. Or he just wouldn't be any time. He used it when it came. He'd, He'd probably just call me fat. And make fun of the fact he has a lot more money than I do. Now, hey, I'll just hit him. With, I'll just have MVP hit him. Hit him <laughs> gingerly with a cane. <laughs> I, I, that's what cracks me up. He's unstoppable unless you tap him. With tap a him with a knee with a cane. Then he's done. He can't continue. He can't even fight. Goldberg's a pussy. How about that one? And. <laughs> Other things that happened, we had a good match between, I would, I'd say a good match, between Sheamus, who dropped the title to Damian Priest. Mm-hmm. And then we also had Charlotte, surprisingly victor. We, the Impaler and I, we knew they were getting the title off of Nikki Ash because that's going over like a lead balloon. Unfortunately, because I love her. She had a really good match. It was a good match. Bell to Bell, Charlotte matches are always good. And if you hate on Charlotte, I don't want to tell you. But Charlotte does win. And I was surprised because she was in AAA last week, taking pictures and all that, when the recently released Andrade El Idolo and the even more recently released Ric Flair were doing an appearance together in AAA in a match against Kenny Omega. So I really didn't – I thought they were going to punish Charlotte. But instead, they give her another completely pointless title run. (laughs) 12 now, folks. 12. She's held the title 12 times, and she has held it a collective 14 days. I'm exaggerating. But 15 days. 70% of his titlings have been less than 30 days. So, I'm sorry. I apologize. No, I'm right. And a majority of them have been less two months or less. 
That's a shoot. That's a reality. Very similar to Randy Orton's title reigns. That's why I give zero credence to both of their type, both of their chance, their, their title reigns. Cause they're, they're, they're honestly, how many times has Charlotte and Randy Orton been a transitional champion? I mean, Charlotte has lost her title a number of times in less than a week. Three times, I think. Less than a month, like six times, yeah. seven times. It's incredible. Dude. Absolutely incredible. Well, we'll see how this one runs out. If she keeps it longer than a month this time, then it'll be 50-50 that her title range have been a month or longer. Something. Goals, Charlotte. Even though we goddamn know well, as soon as her contract's up, she's going to AEW. So it's completely ridiculous. Whatever. So, other things that happened. The Usos retained their championship. Eva Marie lost. And Dewdrop, that really gut-wrenching storyline where Dewdrop was just abused by can, Eva Marie. Can you explain that whole storyline? I, I was so emotionally invested. You want me to explain it to you? Yeah, sure. I didn't watch a fucking thing. I saw a couple highlights on on WWE's YouTube and what it seemed like uh, Alexa Bliss was had her as a guest on the shitty watered down version of the Firefly Funhouse. I think they call it Alexa's Playhouse and do, you know, Eva Marie was being an into her, you know, imagine this for a gimmick. How about you think you're really beautiful and are really into yourself? That's not a gimmick. I have no idea who she is, but I mean, that's the same thing. I mean, how many women, that's, that's like the oldest gimmick in the book. You can't do something new, but that is who she is. I mean, if that's who she is, you know, I'm not interested in her. She can't wrestle unless she just learned how to wrestle the last several years when she was gone. But I picked her because if she just came back, I thought they would put her over. So I did not see the match. So I don't know how bad it was. I did see the ending and it was cool. Twisted Bliss ends it. Dewdrop leaves her. And so that storyline's over, which is, you know, I wasn't emotionally invested, so it's irrelevant. Uh, Seth Rollins and Edge. Edge winning the match. And it was probably the best match of the night, easily. Seth Rollins, I really don't love what he does with his cat, what he's doing with his character right now, but it's starting to win me over a little bit if he's if he goes with the kind of scumbag, slimy piece of shit, Seth Rollins. I think that's a better character than whatever he thinks he's got going on. Let him be a little slimy piece of shit. Let him be Starscream. Like we said before, Roman's Megatron, Seth is Starscream. And John Moxley wrestles in AEW. So... So overall, there's a bunch of other things that happened at SummerSlam. We're only going to talk about those two things. We're going to hop back over to NXT. And we had the women's title was retained. And I don't even know the girl's name. Oh, no. Not Mercedes Martinez, but she is a, she was another woman with an Hispanic name. I'm not sure. She, I don't even know if she's Hispanic, to be honest with you. They kind of toe the line. I remember Razor Ramon. Mm-hmm. Scott Hall's not fucking Hispanic at all. Not even a little bit. But anyways, Rivera or Rodriguez, I think it was one of the two. Is that racist? I don't. I hope I'm not being, coming off as racist here. I just don't know her. And the other girl, I think, was Dakota Kai, not Leilani Kai. 
Leilani Kai, of course, former women, WWE Women's Champion back in the 80s, famously lost to Wendy Richter and beat, actually beat Wendy Richter. Did you know that, Kelly? I did not know that. Uh, now I do. This is not Leilani Kai. This is Dakota Kai. Dakota and She apparently is being called up to the main roster. She lost. And kind of a nice little goodbye to her when she lost at the end. Um and that brings me to Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly. I didn't watch the rest of it. I guess the Southerner is beat the LA Knight for the million dollar championship, the million dollar man. I, I don't see the million dollar man being with a Southerner, even though I think he's from the South. But I don't see him as a Southerner, the character. What do you think? I don't see him as a Southerner either. Virgil's a Southerner. I wonder where the great Virgil is. You think Virgil makes the Hall of Fame, Kelly? I don't even know who Virgil is. You want to have him over for dinner? Sure. I think it's like 150 bucks he comes over and hangs out. <laughs> but, we have, but we have to feed him. <laughs> and he's probably going to want to get drunk. I think... <laughs> you know, you don't really know who he is? No. He was the guy who played Soul Train Jones in that Jericho vignette he did against Cody Rhodes. When the black guy, the, the one black guy that was in it, he was like... Man, Chris Jericho, and he said something. Remember him? Oh, that's Virgil. Okay. That's Virgil. All right. So you don't even get the reference. He used to be the bodyguard for the Million Dollar Man. This is a pointless skit. I don't this even. This is a pointless. So okay, don't go into deep, deep roots of professional wrestling, Kelly Williams. No. So we also saw Samoa Joe before we get into Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly. That's I think that's the one I want to spend some time on. Samoa Joe beat Karrion Cross. Karrion Cross obviously going to the main roster, and Samoa Joe is going to have some fun down in NXT in whatever fucking version that they're going to have. I guess Samoa Joe will be the new king of the shitty NXT. Well, no, he was there when NXT was. Right, he was in the beginning of NXT. I remember having to watch. Was it the beginning? He was. He beat Balor. Balor already had his run. Right, like. But I'm just saying he's been at NXT for a while. Yeah, but he left and then he came back. Right. So that's all you got to live to. It was like NXT then. Yeah, but the, the, I don't know if you know this, uh, Callie Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, Nick Khan was on. And we, this is all going to tie together, folks. So don't, just stay with us here. Uh -huh. This is all going to tie together, just like, the, so. just like the rug in the dude's room. You know what I'm saying? The rug, it really did tie the room together. Nick Khan was on a television show. Um, I believe it was... Let me get his name. I want to make sure. I want to make sure. I want to make sure that we get this to do his name. Ariel Helawani interviewed him. It was released yesterday. And Tony Khan essentially said that there's going to be a lot of big, big time changes in NXT. They're going to do things completely different. They're going to have big guys. And if you remember, the, the idea was they were always trying to find the next guy to headline WrestleMania. That was their focus. But, but what you had was they couldn't just put these guys out there by themselves because they weren't able to go out there and tell the good enough stories, whether in the ring or even their character. But WWE thought they can take phenomenal athletes who don't even have to like professional wrestling, guy like Baron Corbin, doing this for money, 
We can make big time athletes and turn them into great professional wrestlers. Better yet, turn them into great sports entertainers. And it's an arrogance that I think WWE doesn't understand. And they're going to have a real wake up call. Now that all these guys are coming over to AEW and AEW stole your weekend. Nick Khan, they're going to keep to that. But the problem is they are going to need those indie guys to help develop them. The problem was when they brought the indie guys into water and, and be the future and help these bigger guys, the problem with that was is that the indie guys were a lot better at it and they were telling better stories and the NXT universe liked them more. No matter what you did to force feed the big fuckers into your face because they never got over NXT. Barry Corbin was never over NXT. Lars Sullivan wasn't over at NXT. They gave them big spots, big matches, and then bumped them to the main roster right away because they're big, and we can teach them how to act. People will love them. The idea that Baron Corbin is a prototype for the kind of wrestler that you want is proof positive that WWE does not know what they're doing. And the future WWE for the first time since I've been watching for 40 years is, to me, definitely, definitely in jeopardy. Is Triple H just sitting back waiting for Vince to die so he can actually bring some kind of confidence back to the company? I don't know. But Nick Khan isn't a wrestling guy. And if they're going to run WWE like a business, you're going to miss the point. And so this not being a big surprise with NXT getting all the big revamp, Adam Cole loses to Kyle O'Reilly, and Adam Cole is not signing with WWE. He is going to be an AEW. I have it from very good authority. Somebody in the company has told me Adam Cole is a done deal. They're not. I do not know if he is debuting this Wednesday. He's either debuting this Wednesday or at All Out. That is a breaking news. I just got a text two minutes ago. Adam Cole is going to be an AEW within the next two weeks. It's just that simple. So it was no surprise that Adam Cole lost his match, his two out of three falls match against Kyle O'Reilly. Very, very good match. They rushed the first match and rushed the second match, I feel. They didn't tell three distinct stories. For example, if you go back and look at Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat, or you go back and look even Omega Okada, as, as something as recent as that, when they did their two out of three falls match for Kenny One, there were three separate stories that tied into to each other, three separate acts. This wasn't that. It was quick little roll up for a pin, jerk off roll up. Well, it wasn't a roll up. It was actually really, it was the old Owen Hart one. Then the bulk of the night, and the bulk of the match was in the middle part. Street fight, really good moments. And then the ending, which I'm going to get into. They lowered the cage. They tied. They were tied 1-1, obviously. And Cole got to a point where after they lowered the cage, they brawled a little bit, they fought a little bit, and Cage handcuffed O'Reilly to the top, to, I don't know if it was top rope or the second rope. And long story short, O'Reilly got a leg lock on him, and as soon as he cinched the leg lock on, Cole tapped within like two seconds. It was not, it was just a weird tap. And there was no fanfare when Cole left the ring. 
I don't even know if the commentators said anything about it. it might be his last match. But make, make no mistake, Adam Cole rest his la- he wrestled his last match in WWE for a very long time. That's a guarantee. And Nick Khan brought up why. He thinks they want they need to go out and get big athletic guys that can headline WrestleMania. They're still desperately looking for John Cena the, the, or Hulk Hogan or Stone Cold. They haven't gotten it. They tried desperately. They've tried with Roman. They've tried with Seth. Nobody has taken the ball and ran with it. Roman is great as he is, and he's doing the most television, and he's going to draw. He's not going to draw as a heel the way John Cena, Steve Austin, Rock, Hulk Hogan did. It's just that simple. Heels don't draw like that. And they're desperately looking for the next big baby face. Problem is, is that they're looking for somebody but they're trying to force feed it and they're not making it organic. Everything that you said about Hulk Hogan, people responded because Hulk Hogan was bigger than life. Stone Cold Steve Austin, people responded because he connected with that audience. John Cena, same thing. Even if you hated Cena, he was a big draw. They were baby faces. They sold a ton of merch. Kids don't want to be like Roman Reigns. So that's going to be their plight to search for this person. They're going to let a lot of talent and a lot of opportunities go by the wayside, focusing on getting this baby face to battle Roman. They're on a hunt and the entire product is going to suffer in the process. And it has. And after Nick Khan's comments about what's going to happen with NXT, the soul of NXT, that's the other part. Do they realize that NXT was a lot cooler before they, they touched it. Like, this is how out of touch they are. They think that all these changes they're doing in NXT is going to be better. People, you gotta, you're going to have to build up your whole new audience. The indie guys that were most of the people that were, the, the indie fans that were most of the people that are watching your product, they're turning, they're going to go right to AEW. They already did on Wednesday nights. It's not a coincidence since NXT's been off, DAW's ratings have gone up 20%. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. And it's, but, and it's also not a coincidence that since NXT's been on Tuesday nights, they haven't, they're drawing worse than they did on Wednesday nights. That's not a coincidence either. People, you guys are fucking with the original product, and now you're going to basically decimate it and build it up anew. W just the how about the contracts expired? I mean, from a from an outsider, not even I say I didn't have a dog in this race. And I don't care if their product is good or not. And I, as a company, what are you doing? You got rid of some of the most entertaining people that you had on your television program recently. The cool part, the thing that if you're if you actually studied your audience. What the cool thing about NXT, you are destroying now. Making it another little land of the Giants. Contracts expiring. Contracts not updated. Adam Cole can walk on AEW television tomorrow. On AEW Elevation if you wanted to. That's dark tomorrow. I mean, you can't because I already taped it. But theoretically, Adam Cole could be on AEW Dynamite on Wednesday night. 
And let's get into that. Now that we know Adam Cole's gone with no fanfare, he may join his better half in AEW and some of his best friends in AEW with creative control and an ability to really tell a great story with already a built-in top storyline built in to the top heel in your company. Or he could stay at WWE, get promoted, and then get buried on the mid-card like you know he would. I mean, how does this... So when my guy texted me and said, Adam Cole's a done deal, will debut this Wednesday or at All Out. That is, that is the rumor. I don't know how true it is. We'll see what happens. But that is the rumor that I heard. And obviously, only time will tell. But let's get into that. Tony Khan had a response for Nick Khan and the new philosophy in NXT. And I want to get Tony Khan's tweet correct here, folks. I want, I, I'm not going to paraphrase. I want to quote it exactly. And so what Tony Khan tweeted shortly after Shortly after the Nick Khan interview, and it was a direct response to Nick Khan interview, if you didn't know, professional wrestling is an art form. You don't create artists by training them all to paint by numbers in the same way. What that is saying is what they have made, the guys they have made in NXT that they actually think are, are going to be big stars, the people like Baron Corbin, the people like Lars Sullivan, who was a failure, those people are the kind of guys that they're going to fill their roster with. They all kind of wrestle the same. They even cut promos the same. They might look different, but it's the same fucking thing. That's what NXT is. And so or that's what NXT is going to be because you're not going to let the small indie guys come in and help your company. And if they do, they're going to be mid-carders. Professional wrestling is an art form. You, didn't, you don't create great artists by training them all to paint by numbers in the same way. WWE does that right there tells you the difference. Sports entertainment is not art. It's entertainment. And at this point in time, it's bottom feeder, lazy writing. By the way, production, there is nothing better than a WWE produced show. The lights, the video packages, everything. Kelly Williams is leading us. I'm coming back. WWE, from a production value, you guys knock it out of the park. You guys are amazing. But from a, a sports entertainment, your version of professional wrestling comes, you guys are dog shit. The only thing you got going on right now is Roman Reigns, and that's because Paul Heyman's overseeing everything. That's a fucking fact. Someone convinced me otherwise. Tony Khan's right. So the line in the sand is drop. If you like sports entertainment... Okay. And I pray WWE gets better. I want to watch WWE. I was force feeding myself WWE since 20, well, 2011 when Punk made that. For me, this is paramount. And I got to be honest with you, I, I, it's so important, that perspective shift. And I also want to bring up another thing that I brought up the other day. WCW and AEW, there's a lot of different comparisons that you can make, both on TNT, both are the anti-WWE, both are what happened. But the, that's other than just being a different big wrestling company and wrestling on the same network, I do not think there's a lot of comparisons. But again, let's talk about it. When, what brought Scott Hall and Kevin Nash to WCW? Was it the passion for the sport? Was it wanting to be more creative and, and better themselves as professionals? No. 
They left to make money. It's that simple. They both have been clear as a fucking bell about that. They said, look, I got friends. Now I want to, I want, I want to make money. So they go to WCW and they change the world, just like CM Punk did last night. But they went for money. WCW's why, their reasoning for the investments that they made and what they were trying to do was trying to hurt the other, other the opposition, the, co the company. The, it was trying to hurt WWE. And it was money. Those were two, and Bischoff will tell you that. Those were two priorities at WCW. And they didn't care about spending money. And they're big stars, people like Goldberg, people like Paul and Nash, Hulk, all these people that were under contract, they didn't give a fuck about the company. They didn't care about what happened to WCW. They didn't care about their art. Because when they had an opportunity to work in WWE, they sat on their asses, collected their checks, and we had, we had to have half of WWE's roster on the Alliance side to make that storyline even work. They're two big stars for Kurt Angle and Steve Austin, just so it's believable. So they didn't care about professional wrestling, and they certainly didn't care about any company. Why is Malakai Black leaving? Why did John Moxley leave? Why did FTR leave? Why did Sean Spears leave? Why is Wyndham Rotunda going to show up in AEW? Why is Brian Danielson going to show up in AEW? Why is Adam Cole going to show up in AEW? Why did CM Punk show up in AEW? All their whys even though money, I'm sure they were paid handsomely, their whys were not about the money. Their whys were about creating, making special moments that connect with real fans, not whatever this filtered, disgusting heap of shit that WWE puts on his television twice a week. They know things are stupid, and they're, they don't want to be a part of it anymore. They're wise to create and have a good time and make art and make stories and entertain fans that get professional wrestling. Adam Cole is going to be a professional wrestler very soon, once again. And that's all we got for today, folks. High spots and cheap pops. We're going to try to come at you at least once a day with our podcasts and videos. We are just starting to percolate, get them things ready. We're going to have a website. We're going to have a news channel. We're going to have a lot of things, but we are just percolating right now, setting, laying some foundations. This is Silicon Sea Valley. I want to thank Kelly Williams for joining us briefly. Thanks for having me. Uh, she's not as passionate about wrestling, but she's a chick, and I get annoying if you hear me nonstop. <laughs> so thank you for listening to High Spots of Cheap Pops. This is Silicon Sea Valley and the Impaler who's on assignment. Thank you, Kelly Williams. We will see you guys later in the week. This is High Spots and Cheap Pops Wrestling. We'll see you guys later. Thank <laughs> you.